Hi, this is Dr Katie Himana from the School of Healthcare Sciences at Cardiff University. I'm speaking with Joe, who was diagnosed with Huntington's disease a year ago, and he is kindly going to talk to me about his physical activity experiences and his thoughts of exercise and, and Huntington's disease. Thank you very much, Katie. I'm Joe, and I'm 34 years old, and I live in Hampshire in England. And my HD story I'll tell you more about later, but in terms of physical exercise, first and foremost, I'm a qualified rugby referee. Um, and so I spend most Saturday afternoons during the season running around a pitch telling 30 blokes what to do with their balls. Um, I've also got a real keen interest in long distance running and uh, I'm doing a charity event this uh, this autumn where I'll be running 50 kilometers in, in a go. Uh, besides that, I'm trying to get into other things. I'd like to get more into my cycling. Uh, I've recently inherited a quite nice road bike. And um, yeah, generally, I'm like a human Labrador. I quite like to be outside and running around. If I don't do that, I go a little bit crazy. Uh, thanks. So just as someone with a diagnosis of HD, Joe, what do you find motivates you to be so physically active? Then? I feel that it's that if you don't get out the door and you don't have your running shoes on or you don't have your kit bag ready to go, you can really fall victim to being apathetic and full of regret that you didn't do it. And I think given, given the HD diagnosis, one of the things that I, I read up on was that, you know, like any time when you're feeling anxious and worried, you can shut down. And you can stop doing things because by by stopping doing things, you're eliminating risk. And I think that's something that I've tried really hard not to do. Um, things like I started running more in the winter in the past year, which I'd never never bothered doing before. I would, I, the minute it got dark and a bit cold, I'd say no thanks, and, and I, I'd, I'd go out another day. And then I started saying no, that's that's not right. I'm going to get myself a head torch, get myself a reflective vest. Uh, get myself a woolly hat I'm going to go and I made it a bit of a routine to try and go every couple of days and if I didn't run twice a week maybe three times a week you know as well as other things I started to feel worse for it which meant I had to keep going out and doing it so the motivation comes from within but we all have weeks where work and life and responsibility gets on top of us I don't have children I, I understand that they're a drain on time as well, as, as well as a great joy. So there is a point where I, I know that this won't be as easy to maintain. Um, and obviously, maybe the HD diagnosis has also given me a bit of a kick at the backside to say, I might not be able to do all this stuff all the time in the future. So I better do it now. Lovely. Okay, so... We talked about the purpose of the the resource that we're developing um so what do you think from your perspective what do you think joe public would need to know if if they don't know anybody with hd they've never come across it before um and now they're supporting somebody who who might be you know symptomatic i think that in my experience you tell people that you've got hd and they say okay and sometimes I think you're talking about your TV or or something like that. And you explain what Huntington's is and you get a, a vague sort of look of recognition from most people, but they also still don't really quite know what you mean. It's not like with MND um, or 
MS or ME even, um, I think people are just generally more aware of those things. HD is a strange and very, very little understood disease. Um, I mean, one of the first things I have to I have to remind people of when I first tell them is say, don't worry, it's not contagious. I think, you know, and 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 uh, people do often, I feel, want to know more. But British people, being the way they are, they often don't want to ask too much, and they don't want to sort of pry. But they also really want to pry. And I think if you give people permission to ask questions, then you can get somewhere. Um, when it came to <clears throat> when it came to sort of talking to my friends and 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 teammates and people that I know, I had to say to them, so I have a diagnosis of Huntington's. It doesn't actually mean anything right now, but it will do in the future. You know, I I, I have to stress that. Um, and I say some of it is behavioural. There will be potentially, and I don't know when my symptoms will start. There's no there's no real telling. Um, my CAG score suggests it won't be for a while. Um, but just getting the diagnosis is bad enough. And obviously I was diagnosed last year and um, it's been a, been a real, a real hammer blow, I think, in terms of making me think about my future. Obviously my wife and I are um, planning on starting a family, which means we're having to go through the PGD process. So <laughs> it's like the law of unintended consequences getting the diagnosis is just one small part of the overall puzzle and then you add on to that all of the other stuff like um you know the actual apathy depression anxiety that is linked with symptoms of hd and then of course later on there's the worry about movement and being able to actually do things so my father obviously had hd and he didn't I'm slightly jealous of his younger self because he didn't know he had it. Yeah, so I'm I'm going into the next few years of my life with my eyes wide open, knowing that I have it. Which, on one hand, is lovely because it means I know and I can stop my kids from getting it. But also, it's not great because I I know I have it and I'm jumping at shadows, waiting to be waiting to be unwell. Um, and with my dad, once he found out that he was at risk of it and likely had it before he'd actually had the genetic counselling. Uh, I'd noticed that he started to withdraw bit by bit from his teammates that he played a lot of volleyball with. And um, he started doing a lot more in the way of individual activities. He still loved getting out on the bike. He still loved being physically active and it was good for him. And I could tell when he'd had a good, good old stint on the bike, cause he was better. He was, he was a bit more there I could talk to him in a bit more detail about stuff. Whereas if he hadn't, he, he was a bit sort of twitchy and a bit, a bit anxious and a bit standoffish. Um, but the social aspects that people I think need to be aware of is that this person might not always be in control of their feelings and emotions in the same way that you might want them to be. And I mean, the game of rugby is, is, is the sport that I love. And one of the things I'm very proud of with the rugby community is that I think it is inclusive and it always has been. And I think that your average rugby clubhouse, if you explained that this is what you had or that a teammate had, I do think that you'll always get somebody who's going to make it into something that it doesn't need to be, but that those people would be in the minority, the vast majority of people. And I'd like to think in most sporting clubs would be inclusive and would accept that actually 
we just need to be aware. We're not going to treat them differently. We're just going to be aware of it so that if in the future they did suddenly have a bit of a meltdown about something, you know, or they became um, obstinate or aggressive or anything like that, somebody in the back of their mind might go, this might not be quite them. Um, maybe we need to give them time to cool off. Uh, and, and it is hard. It is hard because as an adult, you don't want to be treated differently to everyone else. You don't want people sort of being sympathetic to you without you, without you necessarily causing that. But also I think it's important that people know, and I think Joe Public should be aware that these symptoms might be very, very mild um, at first, and they might get worse. And in terms of mobility, they'd have to be aware that maybe, so my dad had started to develop, um, I think it's pronounced chorea or chorea. I can never quite pronounce it correctly, but obviously involuntary movements, they were pretty mild. You wouldn't necessarily notice them all the time. And the medication he was on did dampen them down a bit. But people who didn't know he had HD would sort of, you could see them looking across at him every now and again, almost like, is he all right? You know, is everything okay? And of course, the other bit is whether or not someone looks like they're a bit pissed, um, you know, when they've, and, 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 you know, sort of maybe being a bit unsteady on their feet or, you know, looking like they maybe need a bit of help with something. Um, and it didn't help. My dad was a stubborn northerner uh, who would never admit to anything. You know, oh, I'm fine, I'm all right, leave me alone, you know. Um, and certainly that is really tough because it, it could be embarrassing for people to be around. Um, and, 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 it, and it could be embarrassing for that person as well. Maybe they're not totally aware of it. And I just think people have to be kind and understanding when they can because sport does help those things. You know, and it, and it, 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 I think not just the physical activity and the, the body chemistry that goes on, but the, the camaraderie, the shared purpose, the shared goal, the shared interest in something. And of course, you know, being able to stand around afterwards and have a beer and have a chat, that's, that's what I think it should be around and what it should be about. And um, I think if you don't have those things in your life and, and you like those things, you're potentially on the on the road to living miserably which would be a horrible way to be uh, thank you so um is there anything else in terms of you mentioned apathy there and motivation a little bit um is there anything else that you know to highlight with that um thinking about yes how you kind of Inter you've talked a lot about how you know you might interact or support someone with HD by having an understanding that actually what's going on right now is the HD and it's not it's not this person you know it's not they're not being awkward it's it, you know it's, it's the HD coming out but mm -hmm. in terms of practically addressing that have you got any tips um when to push when not to push when you know that kind of thing I think the phrase hurry up and wait is uh is is very very apt you know you 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 must and it's very difficult and i found it very very difficult with my with my dad at times to just accept that he might say right well we're going to go somewhere at this time and do this and then you'd be all ready for it okay are, are we off then oh hang on i just need to do this uh oh and and, and he'd faff around for God knows how long doing something else and you'd be looking at your watch going we're now going to be late and all your instincts are pointing towards you know giving them a kick in the arse and saying come on 
you know, we have to get going. Um, you know, or other way around, suddenly, you know, he's like, right, we've got to do this now. And you're going, but we, we didn't arrange that. Where's this come from? And it's being aware that sometimes that person's thoughts and, and their ideas have been bubbling away for some time and you're just getting the end part of it. And sometimes you've, you've got to go at their pace and you can get that wrong in terms of you can probably allow somebody too much license. And sometimes you've got to say, look, here are some really clear, easy rules. You know, when we're going to do this, a reminder, we start at this time. A routine is good, I think. And in terms of practical tips, I'm actually talking to somebody with HD. Not give them too much information at once. And I was really bad at that, you know, and, and I, I, I can't help it. I'm a talker. I, I'll naturally talk a lot and give ideas. And I, I'm quite a, a people pleaser. I like people to feel comfortable around me. And so with dad, I'd be a bit like, right, we could do this or we could do this or maybe we could do this. And he's a bit like just... I, I can't cope with all these different variables that you're throwing at me. Just, just give me one thing. And, and if I like it, we'll do it. If I don't like it, we won't do it. And I think sometimes that's, that's a, that's a good practical tip is being aware that for that person, it's almost like um, they're surrounded by white noise. You know, they, they can hear what you're saying, but they're having to really concentrate and having to really listen and take it down. And, and on a good day, the dabs are very good at that. On a bad day, you couldn't do it. And, um, you know, that's something that, if I'm honest, it scares the shit out of me because I'm someone who, you know, my job for a living is keeping 20 different plates spinning at one time. And uh, not literally, of course, I'm not a circus performer, but certainly as a, te- as a teacher, it does make it difficult to, to think one day I'm going to have to probably retire early because there's no way I'm going to be in my 70s with HD dealing with the classroom full of teenagers. I just don't think that's likely, you know? And, and so I will have to going forward, be very clear with people about what I can and what I can't do, you know? And, and, and I think the world is going to have to be more aware of that. People with neurological conditions, um, I think have to be spoken for, you know, people have to understand what that means and, and not to, not, not to judge based on one person's reaction you know I, I i love i'd love the idea of being able to blame everything all my faults on having hd it'd be a very convenient thing to do um but it wouldn't be fair and it wouldn't be true and sometimes with my nearest and dearest i have to remind them listen i'm not having a good day today so can you just can you just remember that i'm doing the best um you know and and i think I'm I'm able to do that because I can communicate. But if those, if if my brain stops me from doing that as easily in the future, that's going to make it ever harder to to self-regulate and to self-police. Um, and I think that's why people in your in your inner circle have to be aware of those things. Really, it's really interesting you mentioned that because quite a few people have spoken. You know, I've kind of been involved in the HD community we don't have to we don't have to um use this bit but just as you speak in there um so you know I've been involved in HD for yeah like 12 13 years now and actually a lot of it's getting that balance isn't it of I am not my HD HD doesn't mm. define me but also 
if people are acting a bit anxious or they then a bit out of character then saying well actually just have a bit of patience with me because mm. it could be the H, you know could be the hd um it's a I really fine balance i think isn't it it is it is and, and mm. I, I work i work with young people with all manner of you know i don't work in special education i'm i work in a mainstream school but obviously i, I yeah. work with lots of young people who have um various sort of special educational and emotional needs and i do find myself sometimes going god this is difficult trying to meet those needs mm. trying to be aware of those things and trying to be a good a good person a good teacher but also not being a doormat when someone who you know we're told they've got they've got adhd that's the reason why they do this and you sometimes mm. go okay fine i can i can accept that and i can i can i can work with that but at what point does it become too much and you have to say hang on no 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 that's not acceptable we can't have that in a classroom and it's it's the same with this it's the same with anything like this you know we're, as adults i think we self-regulate a lot and we expect society to try and accommodate others where we can and again i, I sort of bring it back to something like the rugby clubhouse because i think it's a great microcosm of society it's a place where people hopefully are accepting of other people they might look a little bit sort of what's going on here but they if they know if they're aware if they can do if they say hang on this isn't this person's fault i think people are fair most of the time i think they'll be fair and they'll be they'll be just and they will try to include you thanks joe for sharing your experiences and for talking with us today <laughs>